Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by lead pastor Dave Ferguson as we kick off the series from this day forward. If you'd like prayer, simply text PRAY to 630-793-6399. Our prayer team is standing by and ready to pray for you. Remember, you can always find us on Sunday streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Hey community, it is so great to be with you. And I am really excited about today's big idea because I believe what we're gonna talk about today will not only dramatically improve your spiritual life, but also your love life. So this is kind of a, uh, you know, a two for one. Um, For most of our married life, the Ferguson home, we've only had one TV. So whoever has the TV controls, controls the TV and what we all watch. Now, I love sports and almost any sport. Uh, The women of my family, not so much. But if I have the controls, then we are all watching sports. But Sue and Amy have a way to get revenge. When the girls get controls, sometimes they force all of us to watch this show. Oh my. I'm telling you, it is like an understatement to say I hate The Bachelor (laughs) so much. I'm going to keep going. I heard something the other day about The Bachelor, and this really surprised me. Did you know that it has been on the air since, are you ready for this? Since 2002, for 19 years. That's more than twice as long as The Office was on. Can you believe that? Almost two decades of The Bachelor. And despite the show producing more Instagram stars than lasting marriages, it somehow continues to thrive and then has spinoffs. We got The Bachelorette. You got The Bachelor in Paradise, The Bachelor in Winter Games. I mean, this is unbelievable. And and if you ask me, I mean, the whole premise is just blatantly sexist. But beyond that, I mean, bottom line, it's just bad TV. Which then, here, raises this obvious question for all of us. Why is it still so popular? I'll tell you what, if you have some thoughts on why this show is still popular, go ahead and put it in the chat. I'd love to see it there. Just put it in the chat why you think The Bachelor is still so popular. All right, and while you're doing that, Amy Kaufman, and she covers Hollywood for the Los Angeles Times. She has a theory about The Bachelor's success. Now, here's what she says. She says, we know now that couples don't really stay together, and this is not a formula for lasting love. But I think the reason we're so obsessed with the show has something to do with our desire to have fantasy and romance in our own life. You think that's true? I mean, come on, there's got to be a reason. There's lots of people watching this. What is true is this longing for love has always been a dominant narrative in every aspect of human culture, whether it's the literature we read, the movies we watch, or the music we listen to. I mean, that's not a new thing at all. There's a reason for this. And I think we are all hardwired, created. We were made to love and to be loved. And sometimes we pursue that love just recklessly. You ever heard of a guy by the name of Glenn Wolf? Maybe not. But Glenn Wolf holds an amazing record. He holds the record for the greatest number of marriages ever in the United States. Any guesses how many? Just say it out loud if you want to guess. 
29 marriages. <laughs> his longest one lasted seven years, his shortest 19 days. Uh, Want to guess what he did for a living? Baptist pastor. I mean, you can't make it up. All right, so here's the question. Why did he do it? And not why did he get divorced 28 times, but I want to know, why did he keep on trying? And, and why do we keep trying? I mean, when relationships are hard and so many relationships fail, why do we kind of you know, dust ourselves off and then get back out there and keep on pursuing love? Why? Because you and I, we were created to love and to be loved. And it's almost like we can't help. There's just something inside us that pursues love. Even though oftentimes it's, it's disappointing and ends up being heartbreaking. And that's why today we're starting a new three-week series called From This Day Forward. And it's all about this, this love that we long for. And, and this series, it's for all of us who are fed up with a culture that sees relationships as disposable. It's for anybody who's tired of seeing marriages crumble or maybe tired of struggling in your own marriage. And this is for anybody, anybody out there who longs to build a love relationship that will really last. Now, before we go any further, let me just say a few things. This series is gonna be specifically kind of focused on married couples, but it's not just for married couples. There are a lot of you that are, that are watching right now and you hope, you're going like, yeah, I would like to be married someday. Well, I'm telling you, this series is definitely for you. And you should also know along the way, there's gonna be some great relational principles in this series straight from the Bible right here. For those of you who are going, nah, I'm content being single. So, so here's what you're gonna get in this series for the next few weeks. We're gonna challenge you to make three commitments. And these three commitments, I promise you, will absolutely revolutionize your relationships from this day forward. Three commitments that will dramatically improve your relationships. So I can't stress enough, be here, be a part of this all three weeks, or if you do miss one, go back and watch it on demand. And the first commitment, the first commitment we're gonna challenge you with is kind of a 101, it's kind of a core curriculum, it's kind of like freshman level, you, just, you can't skip this one. And this is for everybody no matter what your relational status. Now, before I tell you what it is, we need to address a big mistake. It's also a common mistake that a lot of us make when it comes to this kind of one-on-one level commitment. I'm convinced that a lot of us struggle to realize, and even if we realize it, we, we, we kind of forget it from time to time. And it's this, that God created us to have one thing, one thing at the center of our lives. And that's him. I mean, he, he's clear, crystal clear about it in the Ten Commandments. Right at the top, it says, you shall have no other gods before me, right? Pretty straightforward. Now, when, when, we were, when God gave this command to the children of Israel, it was not just kind of an arbitrary rule. This command set God's people apart from everyone else. Because to worship only one God back then was very unique in the middle of a polytheistic culture. I mean, it's a, a polytheistic culture, a culture with lots of gods. And to be candid, worshiping only one God is unique in our culture too. Think about it. There, there's lots of gods in our culture. I mean, you've got the God of popularity, the God of uh, power, the God of prestige, the God of success. I could go on and on. But I think you could also even say that we have made an idol 
out of romantic love. Out of romantic love. Kind of a God. Just consider some, some of these lines from popular songs just over the, over the years. If we go in the Wayback Machine, okay, let's go back to, I don't know, this is probably 70s or 80s, The Temptations. Gonna build my whole world around you. You're all that matters, right? Or let's fast forward to the 2000s. Sting, remember Sting's song, Sacred Love? Here's what he says. <laughs> You're my religion. You don't get more blatant than this. You're my church. You're my holy grail at the end of my search. Or even a year ago, Harry Styles, right? Adore you. He says, oh, honey, I'd walk through the fire for you. This, this is like a worship song. Just let me adore you like it's the only thing I'll ever do. The idolatry of romantic love, though, it's not just in our music. This is where it goes. It, it's in our lives. See, a common mistake I see people make over and over and over again is this. We take this God-given longing that we have for love, right? We all have it. And we go on this quest to find a person who's going to fulfill it. I'm going to find him. I'm going to find her. My boyfriend, my girlfriend, my husband. To find a person that will fulfill that longing. Well, pastor and theologian Tim Keller, he puts it this way. Very smart. He says, you're nobody till somebody loves you. I I think maybe that's an old Dean Martin song, actually. Um, He said, went the popular song. And we are an entire culture that has taken it literally. We maintain the fantasy that if we find our one true soulmate, everything with us will be healed. You ever find yourself thinking that? Oh man, if I could just find that person. If they would just be that person. You ever felt that way? My observation is, the longer a couple dates, and then particularly if they cross that threshold and they get married, there's this growing expectation that that person, that partner, should meet every longing they have. That that person, they need to be my best friend, they need to be a trusted, confident, a passionate lover, they should be handy around the house, a good cook, a spiritual director, a life coach, I mean, the whole thing. And here's what we do. And I do this, we all do this. If that person can't do it for me, If they can't do all those things for me, well, then I need to find a different person, a different partner. Dr. Esther Perel in her book, The The Secret Desire in Long-Term Relationships, makes this observation. So we come to one person, and we basically are asking them to give us what once an entire village used to provide. This is that God of romantic love. (laughs) Give me belonging, give me identity, give me continuity, transcendence, and mystery. Awe, all in one. Give me comfort. Give me edge. I don't even know what edge is, but I want it, right? Give me novelty. Give me familiarity. Give me predictability. Give me surprise. And so we go on a search for all of this in one person. And what do we end up with? Disappointment. Maybe you've longed to meet that person, but you haven't. Or you long for someone, a husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, to be that person, but they haven't. And you know what I'm talking about. You feel disappointment. I got some news for you. And take this in in your head and your heart. That person you're searching for, if it's what we're talking about here, does not exist. And furthermore, I hate to break the news to you, you're not that person for somebody else. 
and, and neither, neither am I. Now, let's kind of keep it real. For those of us who are married, this past year, with the close quarters of the pandemic, it has provided all kinds of new opportunities to prove to your spouse that you are not that perfect person. Am I right? Can I get an amen? You can just put amen in the chat. Yes, my spouse has proven that. Or maybe you confess. Yes, I have proven that. Um, and I, th- I think Sue and I, we have spent more time together in the last year than any other time in our 30 years of marriage. Um, I haven't been on a plane since March, last March. So I've been home a lot. And being home a lot, Sue now thinks that I talk too loud while on my Zoom calls. And now that I've been home a lot more, we've also renewed the, could you please put the toilet seat down debate we haven't had for decades. I don't know about you, maybe you're feeling frustrated and disappointed in your most important relationship. And it's more serious than talking too loud or a toilet seat fight. And maybe you're at a point where for you, or maybe even for both of you, you're thinking about giving up. I mean, you're done. Maybe you've even said it out loud. You just haven't done the paperwork. And if you're in that place today, please know, please know this, you are not alone. Some of those feelings, those feelings that you have of disillusionment are actually completely understandable. And maybe some of those feelings are a lot more common than you even realize. The New York Times reported on a major study that tracked over 1,700 people who got married and stayed married over the course of 15 years. Here's what the article reported. Check this out. Newlyweds enjoy big happiness, a big happiness boost that lasts on average for just two years. Then the special joy wears off and they are back where they started, at least in terms of happiness. And there you have it. That love and feeling, on average, lasts about two years. And these findings have been confirmed by several other studies. I know one marriage expert, he kind of put it this way. He said, the moment you become smitten, right? When you become smitten by someone, the second you find yourself deeply in love, that's the moment the hourglass, think about an hourglass here, right? Gets turned over. (laughs) And at most you have two years until those feelings of infatuation run out. So if it's run out, I'm telling you, it's not just you. Everybody goes through this. Every late relationship goes through this. The feelings of love, the feeling part, okay? That's what we're talking about, the feelings of love. They, they come and then they go. They come and then they go. But the mistake is expecting your partner, your spouse, to meet all of your needs. C.S. Lewis, right? Brilliant thought leader, theologian, and mere Christianity. He speaks to these unmet, often unspoken even. And that's why I'm saying it out loud, unspoken needs. He says this, <clears throat> most people, if they have really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they, that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. Does that feel familiar? The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love or we first think of some foreign country like we're gonna to travel to or first take up some subject that excites us, our longings which no marriage, no travel, and no learning can ever really satisfy. I think we've all experienced that to some degree, right? 
this hope or expectation, this hope or expectation that, that some person, a boyfriend, girlfriend, a spouse, or even some experience will fill this hole inside. Lewis con- continues, he says this, I'm not now speaking of what would be ordinarily called unsuccessful marriages. He's not talking about unsuccessful marriages or unsuccessful holidays. He's talking about trips or learned careers. I'm speaking of the best possible ones. There is something we have grasped at in that first moment of longing, which just fades away in the reality. I think everyone here, he's calling it out. I'm saying it out loud. I think everyone knows what, what I mean. The wife may be a good wife or a good husband. The hotels and scenery on that trip may have been excellent and spectacular. The chemistry may be a a very interesting job, but something has evaded us. All right, this brings us to the big mistake that I was just talking about. The big mistake. Here it is. The big mistake that so many of us make in love relationships. Please get this. Here it is. Focus. (laughs) We expect people to be God. Some, some of us big ways, some of us small ways, but here's what happens. We expect people to be God. We look to human beings. Again, maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe it's a husband or a wife. For the depth of affirmation, the kind of acceptance that only God can provide. And simply put, when we put the weight of God on any relationship or anyone other than God, eventually that relationship and that person, it's going to buckle underneath the weight of that. And that's what Exodus 23 is really all about. See, my desire, your desire, our desire for intimacy with God is our most fundamental desire. And when we miss or forget that, what happens is we we try to invest in and, and pursue people to get it or try to pursue things to get it, and those don't satisfy. And don't hear me wrong, I love being married. I loved it when we dated. I love people, I love things. God even says, hey, every good thing I've given you is a perfect gift, it's just for you to enjoy. But please understand, ultimately, they will not give you the meaning, the purpose, the hope that can only be found in God alone. Now, when we started, I told you there are three commitments that I'm gonna challenge you to. And if you do these, all three of them, this week, next week, and the following week, it will revolutionize your love relationship. I promise you. And here's the first one. The first one is this. This is big. Make sure you get this, okay? Commitment 101. It's basic. And it's this. You seek God. (laughs) Seek God. The longing for love that I feel that you feel deep in our souls that longing to be known and cared for, to belong. That longing is meant to be first and foremost met in a close, loving relationship with God. We're to seek the love we long for in God first. And I think that's why when Jesus was asked by religious leaders, hey, name the most important commandment. Just tell us, what's the most important commandment? He went right here. He says, no, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first, this is the greatest commandment. And what Jesus is doing, he's telling us that for life to work, you want your life to work? For relationships to be at their best. You want to have your relationship be at its best. For us to flourish as human beings, okay, what we have to have is we have to pursue a relationship with God before anyone or anything else. 
there was something that our team noticed. And I never saw this before until we uh, started working on this talk. In these verses, very important, the God that Jesus tells us to love is not just a God or the God, but notice what he says. He tells us this. He says, love the Lord your God. The Lord your God, that's important. When Jesus commands us to love your God, he's commanding us to love a God who's already our God. Whether you realize it or not, whether you ever acknowledge him or not, whether you make a commitment to him or not, God is already your God. It's kind of like, you don't get to pick your mom, you don't get to pick your dad. They're already your dad, they're already your mom, right? He's already your God. And he's your God because he's already chosen to love you. He's right now. And maybe you're even feeling it as I'm talking. He is pursuing you in this moment, saying, listen up, this is important for you and for your relationships. And when Jesus commands, love the Lord, your God, he's calling us then to respond to our God who already loves us. And as John explains, we love, we love God, we love others. Why? Because he first loved us. He initiated it. So here's the challenge I want to give you. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Will you respond to your God by letting him love you and then you making a commitment to seek God? Will you do that? You can do it right now. And we all have a choice when it comes to where we're going to go looking for love. Remember that old country song, looking for love in all the wrong places? That's what we do. And it can be so easy to make the mistake of thinking that we're going to find love, the love that we need in a person. And I'm telling you, people that are single, people that are dating, people that are married, a short time and a long time, we all make this mistake, and not just once, but over and over again. And here's what I've found to be true. God will not compete for our affection, like some contestant on The Bachelor trying to get that rose. No. What he does is he gives us freedom to choose who or what we will chase after to try to fulfill our desire. But the choice that you're going to make, okay, the choice that you can make can revolutionize your life and your love relationships from this day forward if you'll do this, if you'll make this commitment to seek God. Now, I like things practical, so let's get practical. Maybe you're going like, okay, that that makes sense from a spiritual perspective, but how does it make it better? How does it make my relationship, my love life, my marriage, my dating relationships better? Here's how. Very practical. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 5, he says this, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. When you make that commitment, one-on-one, to seek God, when we look to God for the love that we long for, that love of His is poured then into our hearts right? Through God's spirit. So picture your heart, okay? It's, it's broken, it's cracked wide open, and it's empty and dry. That's how you're feeling. And it says what God will do is God's love is then poured into our hearts, and he slowly fills our hearts to overflowing with his love. And when we have his love inside of us, guess what? We have belonging, we have identity, we have security, all the things that we've been looking for in other places. And all of a sudden now, with his, God's abundant love poured into our hearts, we feel and we are fully loved. And and now all of a sudden, we have a source of love from which we can start loving other people. So not only are we loved, 
Practically speaking, this is how it works. Not only we love, but we have a source of love that you never had, I never had, we never had on our own. And God's love then gives us, because we're we're loved, gives us this ability to forgive like we could never forgive before, to be loyal, to stick by someone, even when we feel like running the other direction, to never give up when, when all of us are going like, man, it feels like it's over. But to have that love, it starts right here, seeking God. And I'm telling you, it is critical to all healthy, growing relationships. That's how you get healthy, how you get whole. And that's what allows love relationships to thrive from this day forward. Seek God. I mean, it's one-on-one. You can't skip this course. It's foundational. It's core. And this is the choice that can revolutionize your life and your relationship from this day forward. It'll make you whole. It'll fulfill you. and It'll free you up to love others around you the way they need to be, the way you want to love them. All right, let me wrap this up. I want to first say something to those of you who are single. I challenge you. Make that commitment to seek God. Or as Pastor Tim Keller, he he put it this way. There are many people in this world who have not yet found a romantic partner and they need to hear the Lord say, and maybe this is God speaking specifically to you as a single person. I am the true bridegroom. There's only one set of arms that will give you all your heart's desire and await you at the end of time if only you turn to me and know that I love you now. I'm telling you, the love you long for, single people, is found only in him. So seek God. Let me say this to those of you who are married. I don't care if you're brand new married, you've been married for, you know, 60 years. I challenge you, seek God. Keller continues this thought and he says, however, it's not just those without spouses who need to see that God is our ultimate spouse, but those with spouses as well. They need this in order to save their marriages from the crushing weight of their divine expectation, from expecting someone else to do what only God's gonna do. (laughs) If you marry someone, expect them to be like a God, it's only inevitable that they will disappoint you. It's not that you should try to love your spouse less, I love this, but rather that you should know and love God more. The love you long for, married people, is found only in him, so seek God. And I'm telling you, it all starts, it all starts right here, right there. From this day forward, make this commitment, seek God. <laughs> 